0: Hey everyone, welcome to the show. You're listening to Can I? The Latchel podcast named for the acronym Continuous and Never-Ending Improvement. At Latchel, we have a deep belief that you can't get better by staying the same. And our podcast is here to give you the tools and resources you need to achieve healthy growth. As a Y Combinator-backed company, we know what it takes To have rapid, accelerated growth, and we want to pass our learnings along to you. At Latchel, we help property managers and landlords grow in scale by taking over 24-7 maintenance operations. We've developed an innovative mix of software and on-demand support to help do that. Each week, on this show, we bring on industry experts and we dive into the topics that'll help you shape your business. Welcome to the show. Let's get going. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the session. I'm Ethan Lieber, the CEO of Lateral, here with uh, Will Gordon, my co founder and COO of Lateral, and with our guests today, Michael Lushington, the COO of Four and a Half, and Brittany Stevens, the director of client success at Four and a Half. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank
1: Thanks you. a lot. Thanks for having us.
0: You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, I've actually, it's been a dream of mine to have uh, anyone from four and a half on because you're legendary in this space for helping property managers grow. And um, as you know, part of our whole model is we want to support operations while property managers grow. So we've got some nice synergy here and I'm excited to, to kick this off and learn more about what you're doing and kind of what the future looks like for four and a half.
1: Yeah, we're really Absolutely. excited too. Yep. Looking forward. Maybe to- we
0: can start though for any one yeah. of our listeners that hasn't heard of you. Um, would love to get a quick elevator pitch on four and a half.
1: Yes. I'll start with the elevator pitch. My elevator pitches aren't the best, but we'll see how I do. Um, so four and a half, our entire goal is to help property management companies get found by owners, primarily online. So we are a marketing agency. Um Specializing in property management, we do everything from managing our clients' reputation, building websites, property management SEO, digital ads, um, pretty much anything that you can think of for inbound marketing, but also a little bit of outbound marketing. Um, and yeah, we we love love the property management industry.
0: I'd say too, like I I want to call this out because it goes what you do goes way beyond just the services you provide. You yeah. have so much value add free content available. Um, anyone listening should go to your site and check out any of the eBooks you have. You have a podcast, which I didn't even realize how long you've been running the podcast that you have 60 episodes, basically like deep knowledge base for uh, helping property have- managers grow. Anyone yeah, who that, wants that, to learn,
1: That's like a really, that's a key piece of information because the, Other aspect of what we do is we do a lot of consulting and it's not just talking to our clients and strategizing, which of course we do because we want to make sure that they're getting found by owners that they want to work with and presenting the right message. But the education piece is so important because we're trying to not only bring clients towards us, but to just help the industry as a whole with any, any types of problems related towards growth that we can help.
0: I I do want to dig into how you two got into uh, property management, or I know four and a half doesn't do property management, but you're in the space, I want to figure out, you know, from each of you how you got in the space. But before we hop into you, each of you individually, I'd love the back to hear the background on four and a half and how the company even started and why it was started
1: you want to go there? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So um, the company was started in 2012 by um, our co-founders, Alex Osanenko and John Bykowski. Um, Alex was, he's worked at Propertyware at Folio. So he was working at, at Folio at the time and just talking to a lot of people who had this need to grow their property management business, but weren't quite sure how. So he saw this opportunity to, help property management companies grow. And so that turned into four and a half and our doors opened January of 2012. Um, It was just Alex and John in Alex's basement, um, pretty much uh, doing content marketing on their own. And then the company grew to more than just content. Um, Anything, anything we can think of. Yeah, I think, overall. I think,
2: I think Alex's initial perspective was, um, he was at selling app folio, right. He was getting, uh, you know, first of all, they would, uh, have questions around the install and how do I set up app folio and get it configured, but then it kind of became, well, never mind that, can you help me with my marketing and what do I do? Right. And, and a series of questions that Alex kept getting asked over and over and over again, and Alex kind of had that aha moment. Like here's a, here's a space, here's a series of questions that are going unanswered, and this is something that I can address. Um, and
0: that's, that's kind of how it evolved. So th- I, that's awesome. He, he sees a real problem talking with, you know, the, the people who would become the customers, Exactly says, okay, we gotta go figure this out, solve this, this problem. I'm curious early on, what was the, uh, acquisition strategy? Was it to, to reach out to the folks he was talking with while he was at Folio and say, Hey, I can help you with the marketing side. Um, We'll yeah, here do, and we'll do content, or
3: how how do the marketing experts market to their customers?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of the perspective was um, how can I create the right context for this? So in other words, um, y- y- you know, you have a need for marketing, and then h- what's the perspective on spend? Like, how much should I spend, and relative mm. to what I'm taking in, and and what do I need to do? And so Alex's perspective was how can I put together a set of mechanics, a set of tools to understand. Um, what should what should I spend and what should I spend it on? And then understand how do I measure that, right? How do I measure success? So if I'm spending X dollars um, in AdWords, if I'm spending X dollars on my website, et cetera, how do I measure that? And then uh, how do I test for it going forward in terms of experimentation, et cetera? So what Alex did and, and, and the key's perspective and the way that the whole company's trained is let's make sure we understand the business problem. Let's make sure the business problem is very clear and let's make sure we understand, um, dollars to dollars to result. Right. Mm -hmm. So he put that in a context for people and said, here's what you can spend safely and here's how to understand it and make sense out of it. And from there, the company
1: evolved. Right. And I think that's, that's, that method is really describes where we are today too, which is really great. If we're talking about the very first clients that we have, um, the I think the first service that we really were trying to get people with was content marketing. And I think it was really difficult for Alex and John to convince people to go and create content, like film blog videos. That mm-hmm. was like our big piece. And that's what we do. So that's one of the ways that we, We really only marketed through content marketing for years. Mm -hmm. Um, Still, Mm -hmm. that's our main moneymaker. We get people contacting us through the educational material that we create. So it was kind of a no-brainer to him. Hey, property managers need to educate. That's how they're going to build trust. That's how they're going to get people to contact them wanting to manage their most important investment. Um, But the first thing we did was the educational video blogs, which it's like pulling teeth to get people to do those. So he had to have a relationship with people and people like Stephanie Gordon, Gordon, um, Keith Becker, Mike Catalano, they trusted him. Andrew Dougal, I don't know if you know any of those people, but he pretty much said to them, you need to do this in order for your business to grow. And Hmm. they listened and it proved to be really profitable for them.
0: So it sounds like the kind of same tactics you were using to create awareness and property managers to come try, try y- your services. Were the same tactics you you're giving to the property managers to go get,
2: yeah, absolutely. owners, and investors,
0: exactly. and their yeah. own customers. And it's
2: it's a helper mentality, right? How can I help? How can I how can I serve you? And that's that's embedded into everything we do. Yeah. And I think it's in some ways it's very similar to your company. Um, the perspective is how can we solve this problem and help you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's the mindset going into everything
0: we're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, we'll, we'll get more into like uh, the tactical stuff uh, a little bit later in the interview. But um, is content, the educational content, still the the kind of number one revenue driver uh, on, on the marketing side for your customers? Are you seeing more great. of a mix now?
1: Yeah, I think so. Our approach is very holistic. Um, content marketing is still as important as it ever was, mm. but you can't just do content if you want to compete. I mean, a lot of people are creating educational material, which I, I is super important because you can use that material to do a number of things. You can use it to send drip campaigns to prospects that didn't close. You can use it to send to people while you're communicating with them about signing up for your services. Um, you can create eBooks from it. You can do a number of things. Um, (laughs) but if you don't have the other tools to back up your credibility, people won't necessarily sign up for you. Like reputation is in my opinion, the most important thing. Content is, is a great way to get in front of people and to have people find you online through searches. Maybe if they have a problem, just typing it into Google. But if that fixes their problem they might, they might not sign up with you yet. They may do it themselves or they might have somebody else that they're working with at the moment. But when they do get to that point where they're ready to make a decision, if they go and do their research and see your reputation and you don't have a lot of good things. So it's it's not as simple
0: as good content. You need to back it up with substance.
1: For sure, people find you through content but people make decisions based off of reputation. And think of it sequentially, right?
2: There's a nar- there's a narrative to, to
1: how we approach it in terms of uh,
2: kind of a, a sequence of outreach, right? So first you find and see the content. You get exposed to the content. You go, wow, these guys seem knowledgeable. Who are they? What do other people think about them? And then, yeah, other people seem, seem to think they're solid. So now we, let me dive a little bit deeper and go to their website and really, really dig into who these guys are. And that's, that's kind of the sequence and steps that we follow for ourselves. And it's also the sequence and steps and how we think about what we're doing for other clients.
1: Yeah. Or it could go the other way around too, where somebody knows they want property management. So they type in property management companies near me, they go to somebody's website, it looks great. And they find the content and that kind of is the decision maker to call them and pick up the phone. They get to see who that person is, especially if they're filming videos along with writing up articles, that makes a big Big impact just to yeah. see somebody's face.
3: Imagine that's a huge difference, especially in this industry where it's such a personal, you know, yeah. personal relationship and connection building. To be able to see somebody's face, know that they're real, and then see how genuine they they come across, yeah. it's got to be important. Absolutely. It also sounds like this whole content thing. Uh, the industry is starting to catch up and it's kind of table stakes just to be able to compete. You have to have the content. The reputation is the is the secret sauce, the hard part that takes a lot more effort to manage. Uh, so how how do you help people with their their online reputation? You, you listed that as your your number one thing that you help people with. Um, how, how do you improve an online reputation?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, so the the first thing is you just have to ask. Um, we we do a couple of things with the the property managers that we work with. We have a service where we request reviews for our clients, consult them on how to follow up with reviews, um, give them guidelines for re- responding to them. But outside of that, if somebody's just doing it on their own, most people don't really know when a good time to ask for feedback is. Um, Maybe if they talk to somebody, they'll say, hey, that person was really happy. So I'm going to send them an email and say, hey, can you find me on Google and leave me a review? Um, That's we found that's not enough to get feedback. Um, And as most of us know, or all of us should know in this industry, people aren't going to leave you a positive review just because they're having a good day. Maybe that will happen. But most of the time, you're going to get people that didn't get their full security deposit back or they were rejected from a property because of their credit score, whatever it is. And those people are going to go online and leave you negative feedback. But the super happy people are just content. So they don't think about going and sharing that with you. So what we recommend doing is weekly, monthly, whatever it is, compile a list of your tenants, your owners, even vendors you work with and send out review requests to them. Usually it's a good time when a tenant moves in. That's a great opportunity to send out a review request because they're super happy at that time, um, considering nothing went wrong during the move in. But that's, um, I think Bill Diem did a study a couple years back that found that was the most happy time during a tenancy. Everything after that kind of can stay the same or go downhill. Um, but we usually recommend just requesting reviews based off of triggers and then following up with them. So it's not just a one and done thing. You follow up with them a couple times and usually you'll get a response after the second or third time.
3: We should probably modify ours and also go find your content online about this. What we do at the (laughs) close of any work order, um, any one of our clients can add their social media link, so that if we get a positive review, then we trigger, hey, would you like to leave this review? We should add a follow-up aspect to
1: that. Yeah, absolutely. Because what we found is people um, people will open the email the first time, but a lot of times they'll get busy. I mean, you know, you get a phone call, your kid comes running over and grabs you away, or maybe your cat distracts you, whatever, whatever it is. Um, people get busy, and they want to give you feedback. They like you. They just forget. So the follow-ups really make a difference.
0: Yeah. I'm curious if there are a few... Um tactics property managers can use to like avert the negative review? Um, Cause I think that's some, you, you mentioned this, but it's something that can kind of plug a social media page. If it's sort of like a, it almost feels like a lose lose as soon as you get the tenant in. If you're saying after the tenants in, which is the best time to get the positive re- review, it can pretty much only go downhill from there. <laughs> it's it's almost what it sounds like. So how do you avert the negative reviews, which seem to kind of plug the industry.
1: Yeah. Um, good operations, looking at what your team's doing, using services like Latchel that can handle, <laughs> handle maintenance or handle things like that for you so you don't mm-hmm. have any holes in your processes. Mm-hmm. Um, some things like denying a tenant you can't always overcome, but in that situation, just being accountable and trying to communicate with a person that leaves you a bad review is the best thing that you can do. But in terms of people that you're currently working with, um, the best advice I have is just to listen to feedback that you're getting from those negative reviews and try to improve them, try to use solutions that prevent any holes in your process.
3: I've seen, I've only seen it one time, but I saw a company that had a bunch of really positive reviews from people who rejected them, uh, from people they rejected uh, from housing. And it was a consistent theme that whenever they rejected someone, they sat down and did a consultation with them to like walk them through, explain what it was, and give them like alternatives. Yeah. And um, and I think it ultimately comes down to treat people with respect or don't be yeah. a jerk. Like really goes a, an incredibly long way with yeah. managing online reputation.
1: I love that though. That's really cool. I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's a it, that's a I've smart thing to do. Only seen it
3: once, and I wish I I wish I'd bookmarked the company. It
0: was somewhere yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah,
1: that's fantastic.
0: You have to imagine it's something that you bake into your process and it takes time. And I mm-hmm. think, um, well, for any marketing, right, it doesn't matter what it is, content, uh, social media, reputation building, it all takes time and intention. Right. And, you know, f- sitting down with a tenant you reject every time is what's going to build a positive reputation. It's like you you kind of earmark that as your marketing cost almost. It's not.
2: Yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah.
0: Well, I, I, I wanna take a step back um, because you both obviously have this like rich depth of knowledge in this space. And I'm wondering how you each got into this and developed that. Uh, Brittany, maybe we can start with you, but okay. how, how did you even get into four and a half?
1: Yeah, well, so um, I've been working here since I graduated college, actually. I've been here almost five years. I really wanted to move to the Bay Area because that's where all my friends lived. Um, wanted to get over to Berkeley, but I was kind of procrastinating a little bit. So my best friend kept sending me job applications <laughs> trying to push me along. Um, I'm originally from Chico up in Northern California. And so she sent me the application for an internship at Four and a Half. Um, and I was kind of like, OK, these guys look kind of cool. I guess I'll apply. Um And then I got an internship here, moved to the Bay Area um, and have kind of just been doing this, (laughs) doing this ever since. So um, I graduated from Chico State with a degree in marketing. Um, My background is mostly in customer service. I've done customer service jobs my entire life. So I feel like the combination of customer service experience I had plus um, just kind of like my basic marketing background really helped me to find a place here because a lot of what we do isn't just marketing, it's customer service, it's support, it's sitting down with people and like being their person. Um, so that's essentially how I got here. And then I just kind of got sucked in.
0: Michael, before we hop to you, I have to ask because I don't actually know, where's your, where is your office located?
2: Um, we're down here in Hayward. Heyward. Okay. Beautiful Hayward. Just down just down the street from you.
0: The gem Beautiful, of the Beautiful, yeah. I don't know if you, uh, you probably don't know this. Actually, Will and I both graduated from Cal.
1: Did nice. you? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's where we met. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I, I'm just across the bay from you.
1: That's probably. awesome. Well, I live in Berkeley, so, I mean, people that are listening can know where I live now, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ber- Berkeley's a big place. So. Yeah. Very big place a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I love it there.
0: How about you, Michael? How did you get into this?
2: Uh, yeah, you'll never believe it. Um, uh, so uh, <laughs> um, Alex and I are, were friends, our friends and, and uh, Alex got to talking to me. I have a background in uh, technology consulting, um, Worked for a number of big companies, um, doing a lot of um, work manager, uh, work management, software development and implementations. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh, larger companies, so PG&E, um, Visa, um, companies like that. And uh, Alex and I got to talking because Alex said, you know, I, I've gotten the company to here so, so far, and uh, we've got a nice suite of services. And I really um, initially envisioned envisaged it as a services company. Um, but really, at this point, I feel like um, without uh, certain technology pieces, it's not we're not going to be comprehensive. I, and, and we're going to always have this sort of sense of um, piecemealing and I have some strong, very strong sense that this is Alex talking, you know, I have a very strong sense of kind of what clients should do with their websites and, and what that should feel like. And so Alex said, you know, uh, I want to build technology services, but I don't want to build a tech company. So how do I do that? And I, um, my background is in um, business solution making using technology, right? So not um technology for technology's sake but really solving real problems and and driving um technology solutions against those business problems um, so what we did was we came in and we looked at the problem we said okay this is what we think the team should look like this is the makeup and um and worked it that way um, so i came in initially as a consultant working working with the company and then just got completely hooked by the industry by working with people like Brittany um, and the rest of the team here um, I just really like the presentation of um, helping small businesses grow. Um, you know, that's our sort of our tagline, um, but it's more than a tagline. It's a philosophy and a set of behaviors that are built into everything we do. And um, I just really like that uh, that feel, and uh, so just got hooked and stayed.
0: Well, I, I'm curious. I, I want to actually, after I ask this, pass it to Will because I think actually you, you two might have some more overlap than you think. But, but before we go there, I want I do want to ask what was that pathway like starting, uh, in a consultant relationship and now kind of moving into this COO role at four and a half? Like what was that trajectory like?
2: Uh, <laughs> it's a great question. Um, it, it's very, it, the consultant role was very natural for me. I've been doing it for a really, really long time. So it just felt very ordinary. Um, and then, uh, kind of my, uh, my mindset always going in, even as a consultant was, you know, both what can I do for you today and how can I help you long-term, right? Um, and so that mindset just um, given the way that we do things here, um, that just fit very well with what they were doing. And so um, um, when I came in, um, as an example, um, I also have a very strong um, process orientation and workflow orientation. And so um, when I came in and I started looking at things and, and you'll remember this because
1: yes, do. when I
2: first started <laughs> I talking remember. to Brittany and the rest of the team, I was like, I need to understand these things and see how information moves through the company in order to really solve some of these problems that I'm going to try to solve technically. And um, we had some understanding of our processes, but not a really rich uh, represented. Understanding. A lot of it was in
1: people's heads. Yeah. Yeah. And so we
2: spent a fair amount of time just um, you know, um with we have the big, nice big whiteboard walls and um building uh process flows to really understand how everything moved. Um and now, you know, we manage everything that way. Um, but uh
1: that was kind of the that was kind of the connection. Did yeah, he made all question? of our lives easier with that. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we wouldn't let him go anywhere other than stay with us.
3: Yeah. Michael, you're uh, really speaking my language. I, <laughs> exactly how I approach problems, too. And, like, yeah, Latchell was first founded on our leadership principles, but then very quickly became a process mapping exercise. Like, how is information going to flow? How are we going to communicate uh, to all the different parties? Uh, how does our system handle that communication, et cetera? And what Ethan was referencing on our overlap, not just the process orientation, but I, I spent some time at PG&E. Uh, post-college as well okay. in the smart meter operation center when they're launching uh, the initial no launch yeah um, on the
2: metering side yeah. yeah yeah nice so um i did the smart meter implementation
3: yeah so i, I thought you looked familiar but i didn't want to <laughs> say anything so i oh, uh, okay. two, 2009 <laughs> yeah. for a, a few years after that yeah um, yeah. yeah um I, was helping doing a lot of process improvement inside of uh, the, the right. operation center, awesome. uh, very yeah. very early on, and then left for grad school, uh, supply chain management. Worked at Amazon doing a lot more process improvement, and I, I completely agree with you. It's a lot more gratifying working with small businesses. It's a completely different set of problems, and I, I think a lot more human, personal, and, and interesting. Hundred um, percent.
2: So, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's really where it touches down. Is you really feel like um, you're right into the to um, to the heart of the business and you really feel like you're affecting something um, you know the, the frustration um, even you know a company like PGE or the large organizations is um, you begin to pull on a thread and then that thread gets very very long and you're not sure if you can really fix the problem um, because it becomes almost it becomes bigger than you mm-hmm. and um, with this you feel like you can directly uh, directly affect the outcome and then and see it happen so uh, yeah. It's really that's really a, that's that's funny connection between the, the metering world.
3: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll connect with you after and start seeing like nice. where the overlap is on specific oh, yeah, names because I'm I'm pretty sure we'll find it really fast.
2: I mean, you know, um, don't misunderstand me. That was a really good good piece of work. I loved working on that project and the and the effort involved um, was tremendous, um, and it was um, the scale of it was very interesting to me. So
3: yeah, um, I I always tell people when I talk about my background is very different from property management. I have a family history and background, but like my personal background is operations, engineering, supply chain management. But at pg I helped develop a system to uh, do, handle maintenance and maintenance coordination on the smart meter network and then the uh, the communication units as well. And so it's a surprisingly similar system that we've built at Latchell going all yeah. the way back to the days of, as at pg and right. too. Yeah.
0: That sounds great. I think too, to the- to connect it, um, and you had mentioned—I'll uh, pull out some of the buzzwords that you had kind of mentioned, and maybe you didn't notice that you mentioned these, Michael. But you—you you mentioned the, the tech side, um, and I'm gonna—I'm gonna throw in my own buzzword of automation, and and connect this to the whole the whole process piece because I think nowadays a lot of the way we think about building process in any company to make it as scalable as possible is how do you incorporate tech and automation into that process so there's less human effort involved you create things that are more scalable i'm curious from uh, from your guys perspective on on the marketing and growth side what are some of the automation and and tech pieces that you bake in um to to basically make that that marketing that growth side more effective for for the companies you work with me really? Yeah,
2: (laughs) Um, you know, I think I think from our perspective, first of all, the answer is um, how do we do that? We do it um, very carefully and and as gracefully as possible, Um, meaning that um, as an example, um, one thing uh, I think this is probably a good thing to look at and a good thing to talk about Um, in terms of uh, it's very important right, to measure results in the marketing world to understand the effect of your marketing campaigns and how those campaigns are going. Um, initially, um, Alex had kind of a brainchild of talking about um, kind of a business performance dashboard and fully yeah. automating that process. Because what was happening was, you had know, a lot of property <laughs> managers out there, and they had all sorts of tools, right? So they had Google Analytics on down the the entire right data suite for um, taking data off the back end and evaluating. And there's we, we could sit here for the rest of the podcast and list out the number of uh, data reporting tools that there are. And, so um, uh, and and a lot of the property managers and and Brittany's account managers were running into this were drowning. Yeah. They're literally drowning in data. I'm like, the, the, yeah. they're saying, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this. What does it all mean? And what does it really tell yeah,
3: me? That, that's, that's totally a common problem. Data is everywhere. Right. Making sense of data is exactly. what's hard and yeah. a really valuable skill. Yeah
2: so um 100 and that's that my my sense of that when i came in from the outside was okay let's do wait stop and make sure we turn this into information right let's turn it into decision making let's turn it into how can we use it to to help us better um make smart decisions about how we're managing our marketing and what we're doing going forward so um while we did actually build a a prototype to pull in all this data and display it what we found is that the variability in um, a lot of the data that we were getting back um, was still um, creating a lot of confusion and consternation when we tested it with different property managers. So we said, look, let's let's put, peel back from this. Let's apply a human element. Let's bring the data in, the meaningful data that we know is decision-oriented. Let's give that to our account managers and then let our account managers go over that data with property managers mm. so that their time isn't wasted decrypting a ton of data. Let's get their information mm. in front of them that helps them really make decisions. And so we made a pivot, a bit of a pivot. And oddly enough, in this case, which is a little bit risky now these days, right? We made a pivot away from technology and said we, we're going to apply a human being here with some analytics so that we can save time for property managers. Yeah, but, that, that, was that's but that's that was ultimately. But that the was the value, a right? That was a challenged decision. What do you mean it's not magically coming to me? Well. <laughs> we're really trying to do this to save you time at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. And we had to make that decision. And it was it, it, I absolutely a thousand percent. Everything that I've seen, I know it was the right decision. 100%. And, and, and yeah. now we have this process with our dashboard, but it involves a, a, a human analyst that knows the data very, very well and can help make their time effective. Right. Yeah.
0: Don't tell anyone, data. but Latchell did the same thing. <laughs> ah, we, we actually so started as pure. So peer. nice
2: to uh, talk to a compatriot <laughs> and feel the same way. Yeah. I just I I love technology. I love what automation can do for people, but I I want it to be
1: effective, yeah. not overwhelming. You have to pair it with the human element to actually get results that you're looking for. Or else it just becomes very loud um, and confusing if you're yeah. not doing it the right way. Like we um. We even did, we did a podcast a, a little while back with um, with a company talking about workflow automation. And you kind of, yeah, if will. Not. But and you mm-hmm. even did. We've we've done a lot of um, education recently about workflow automation. You did like three mm-hmm. blogs on it, um, and the key factor to take away from all of the thoughts that we have about it is yes technology automation it's super important it can make your life so much easier but you have to do it the right way and you have to kind of slowly implement it but also have the human element to keep you yeah,
3: yeah keep it's realistic. it's risky when you do it wrong uh, a lot of yeah. people think it's a silver bullet and absolutely is not and data without insight can be less than worthless. It can actually be dangerous if you misinterpret it or make the wrong decision as, as a result of it. I think having that human element with experts that are trained in understanding this data is so much better for the, your property manager clients than expecting them to become experts themselves in what all these different, very confusing, oftentimes conflicting, oftentimes, like you said, noisy data that needs to be cleaned up before you can actually take insight. It's absolutely the right move. And I, I think it's something more technology companies or companies in this tech day and age should, should follow.
0: I want to say too, I think, um, if I'm hearing this correctly and tell me if, if you would adjust this in any way, I think the value that you're bringing to, uh, your, your clients is really that they know every dollar being spent on marketing is effectively being spent, that they don't have to, because you're crunching that data for them and presenting it to them, they don't have to worry about spending thousands of dollars on the thing that doesn't end up working. You're able to say, hey, here's- And that's what
1: we want, because we don't want our clients spending a bunch of money and getting nothing and then coming to us and saying, hey, what did I do here? For example, uh, we have a digital ads team that do Google AdWords campaigns, Bing campaigns. There Mm -hmm. are several clients that we say, hey, you, you shouldn't, You shouldn't run a Google ads campaign. The cost per click in your area for property management related keywords is like $30 if you want to spend $200,000 a year to get 10 more clients, like by all means we can do that, but that's not where we recommend putting your efforts um so that's 100 true that's a really
2: good example britney too i just think that whole landscape the adwords landscape in the time that we've been in business has just is totally different it's radically changed and so we have to we have to adjust with it in terms of again uh, being effective right the mm-hmm. goal is the goal is to be effective with your marketing dollars against um what your goals are and your growth goals right and making sure that all of those are those are tightly coupled and uh,
1: you can make sense out of it every step of the way. And making sure it's targeted towards people that you want to work with too. So you could have all of the marketing collateral out there. Uh, You could have your website, you could have nurturing campaigns, drip campaigns, even like, let's say you have a billboard, whatever it is. Um, But if you're targeting the wrong type of client, that money's wasted too. Mm. And that's something that we work really closely with our clients on is making sure we identify who they want to work with who they make money from and the people that will stick around for a long time
0: so in the uh in the bay area there's this uh the t- terminology often used when we talk about getting customers is what's your customer acquisition cost i think it's very much like a, a yeah. kind of like sass sort of word but I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna take the phrase and um I'll apply it in the best way i can to property management. I know there's so much more that goes into how, like, what's the cost of getting that customer that the time spent onboarding them that, you know, sitting in the room doing the uh, an appointment with them getting in front of them, shaking the, their hand. But is there like, uh, and this might be an impossible question. So tell me if I'm just like way off base here. Is there a, like a target customer acquisition cost that you'd say, this is really where uh, a property management company should be targeting to spend on every client. They of course they it varies by segment, but do you have any kind of guidance or rule of thumb? Yeah,
1: well, so it de- it depends on what what you make, right? So the way that we look at it, um, we actually have a marketing plan that we create for for our clients that maps out, hey, what is the lifetime value. Of your client on average, how long do people stay with you and how much money do you make from them in a given year? So, if you're making $10,000 a year from a property and that's $30,000 over the course of three years, then it's ultimately what, and those are just like random numbers I'm throwing out, but ultimately it's what you're okay with and making back. But um, typically, I think the most that we see people want to spend is usually less than like a, a year's worth of revenue, but it depends, yeah, it depends on the client, but yeah. we tie everything back to the lifetime value of the customer for that specific property management company.
3: Do, do you do you see a uh, common ratios? I mean, for the customer acquisition costs, it looks like if you're only looking at one year, you're not capturing the full lifetime value and you're looking right. at just like a one-to-one. But is there exactly. is there a typical um, lifetime value to customer acquisition costs? Is it five to one,
1: six uh, to one, two to one? Yeah, I feel like what I, I feel like, and this, I'm not sure I'd need to double check, but I feel like what I do see more regularly is like um, three to one or four to one. So it's like if they keep them for four years, they'll spend a year's worth on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know and i had a lot of conversations with alex previously about this too where it's like um if you're able to make back the money in a year and a half and you're okay with that then that should kind of be a good rule of thumb but it's yeah. it's
2: where they are and the kinds of relationships that they want to build and the kind of relationships that are that, that are inherent in 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 where they're working right so if they're in a yeah. high turnover area yeah. versus an area that's you know right. gonna dig in mm-hmm. and be there for a while um, all of that is, is locality
3: yeah, buy, right. buy, buy and hold versus, versus yeah. long-term invest,
0: uh, yeah. versus Am short-term investment.
2: Investors? Am I talking mm-hmm. to private owners, we, we, you know, or a mix? All of that is factored in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I some think the other
0: thing to that, to flip. yeah, the other thing that makes this tough is how probably more than any industry, just how fragmented the, the marketing can be and how how fragmented the industry is. There's so many, I think there's 250,000 registered property managers in the US. That's like crazy to think about. And the last I checked, I think it was like the top 50 companies only really own something around like 8% of, of the, the market, which is crazy, right? No other industry is like so fragmented. Do you think, uh, do you see that landscape changing at all in the future or is it going to stay that way how does that impact the the way property managers should think about marketing
1: yeah so i mean, we we've seen things are changing obviously since i got into this almost five years ago things have changed a lot but we do see a lot of people still piecemealing marketing and that's kind of what we refer to it where you stick you know dip your toe in this you try this out and you do everything for a couple of months but it's also fragmented, separated, that nothing's working cohesively together. Um mm. we feel like that's changing a bit. And we're especially trying to do it with our clients. What we like to do is take a more holistic approach where we start from the beginning where we're figuring out who you want to target and what your message is and then spread that across all marketing channels. Um, our recommendation and our Path to success usually isn't a fragmented marketing strategy. It's putting as much as you can together and tapping into other resources where you need to. Yeah, I think
2: that's that's 100% correct. Though I think your your observation, you know, about it being a, a fragmented place mm-hmm. right now, that's kind of what we're recognizing. Is uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to dip my toe in into. The, first of all, I'll dip my toe into the business. I think I'll try this. I'll I'll, I'll get a few properties and I'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then then now I'm going to try it over here. Now I'm going to try it over there. I'll try a little bit of this. And then almost that approach starts to bleed into the marketing Everything. approach, right? So now, I'm, okay, I'll get, I'll get myself. And this is something you know. You can't we, see, but
1: Michael's sticking
2: his his foot. <laughs> oh yeah, dangerous areas. He's gesturing with his feet. Probably shouldn't
3: do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <yeah>. But the <laughs> thing is, reminds
2: me of the consulting arena too, though, right? Where you 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 were if you're in big companies, where a company will get one one consulting company to do X, another consulting company to do Y, and what happens? Naturally, they start pointing at each right. other. Right. Mm-hmm. right? And so we're seeing the same thing in the property management industry where you get a, a property manager where he says, I'm going to go get myself an SEO consultant. I'm going to have somebody mm-hmm. else do my website. I'm going to get somebody else to do my AdWords and I'm going to get somebody else to help me with content. Okay. And then you get those four people and they get on the phone and they're all sort of-
1: They all want different things. They're all working yeah. against each other. You,
3: you, you're not creating an ecosystem for right, exactly. your prospects to, to jump into. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's exactly right. And, and not only that, worse than that, by default. And I think in some, t- some cases, unknowingly, the property managers put themselves in the position of now I've got to pull all these constituents mm-hmm. together and make them play nice and make it all work together for them.
3: And, and they're already we're, working so hard yeah. on yeah. yeah. their job. And yeah.
2: so at, at this point, what we're saying is, look, even if you don't go with us, choose one, yeah. choose one. That's going to do everything for you and bring it together in a consolidated whole. You're yeah. going to be happier. They're going to, it's going to be more effective and you can measure the results and right, the other adage, you know, you hate to say it, but one throws the choke, it's just there.
0: So, uh, Brittany, you're, you're the director of client success. So I think this is a great question for you. Tell us about some of your best success stories with clients.
1: I feel like I always go to the same people. (laughs) Um, our our greatest success um, as a company, obviously I can think of is our one of our first clients, Stephanie Gordon. She um, she owns a property management company in San Francisco. I mean, I'm sure if you guys are going to lunch, you might see it. I don't know. Um
0: We, we know she, Stephanie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's wonderful. I love her. Um so she started with us from the very beginning. Alex convinced her to create content. She has, I don't even know how many pieces of educational content she has on her website, but she was able to quadruple her business. I don't even have the numbers in front of me right now, but um, she's one of our biggest advocates because she uh, didn't want to do it. She didn't want, she never wants to do anything we tell her to do. And it's, it's actually hilarious. We made a, in my opinion, a horrible piece of marketing for like a, um, we made a sign for conferences a couple of years ago, and it was literally a big head, and it was Stephanie's face <laughs> saying, "I just did what they told me to," nice. yeah, right. uh, and she didn't <laughs> have, she did do what we told her to. Um,
2: <laughs> I don't. She, know. And she ended up selling, right? She ended up selling. A- yeah, yeah. She so used? she
1: sold her business right. to um, one of her employees that had been with her a really long time. I think she sold most of it, mm-hmm. um, but she's had so much success from that that she doesn't doesn't have to work anymore. Um,
2: but, but the, but the perspective, and I think to, 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 Brittany's point, right. She, she didn't really, she wasn't super enthusiastic. Mm-mm. I think about, about any of it, but at the same time she said, okay, if, if I'm really going to find out if this works,
1: I have to do it.
2: Yeah. If I, yeah. I'm really going to find out if I'm investing this money and I got to find out if it works. So I'm going to give them everything and I'm going to do, do what they asked me to do and partner together and watch over time. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. Stephanie was, Stephanie managed us and manages us great. Meaning that she provides very explicit feedback mm-hmm. when we're, when when something's not working, we get we hear about it right away, we make a tweet right away, and then we fix it and we move on. Yeah, um,
1: it, our you, most successful clients are partners with us. It's not they sure. hand everything over to us. It's we talk to them on a regular basis. We bounce ideas off of each other.
0: I think um, I'll say this for on behalf of Latchell too with a service like ours or like yours, you really become a part of one of the main legs of the company, whether it's your growth or sales, then you have operations.
2: Yeah.
0: I won't, there's other legs too, but you know, we're involved in the operations leg. You're involved in that sales growth leg. You you can't, you can't ship off an entire leg of the business without any feedback. Like you have to be part of that. I think one of the tough things, sorry, Will. None of these
3: are set it and forget it solutions. Like you have to be actively involved in the process and making sure it's going the direction you want.
1: People do think that it's, it's as easy as, okay, I did this. Now I'm done. It's, it's constant. If you're constantly trying to grow, you have to constantly improve and adapt your strategy to the chain changes that are always happening.
0: And going off that, I think, Uh, a lot of the questions I'll sometimes get from our customers, just when we're kind of uh, small chatting about uh, growth and marketing and all that is uh, revolves around how long do you actually have to do these things before you say, this is working, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think sometimes it can feel like you're like running up against a wall for months and months and months until you realize like there, there was no wall and you were actually like, hauling the whole time and you're just not seeing results until way later it's
3: not a wall to mountain that you're
0: climbing yeah exactly um i mean what is the timeline folks should be looking at for this kind of thing
1: it's tough it's like i it's tough it depends on the competition in your area and depends on what you're doing um any any marketing i don't care what you're doing i mean if it's online I don't usually see results before the six month mark, because it takes time to get everything set up. And then it takes time to develop the strategy further. If you're doing any type of website work or content marketing, the more interactions you get with your content, the more visits you have to to your website, the longer it's online, the more that starts to work for you. It's like a domino effect. So it's always difficult to say when it's going to work, because sometimes in one market, there might be 15 or 30 or 50 other people doing very similar things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's also good to look at what the competition's doing and see how you can get ahead and make and reduce that timeline a little bit further. But um, yeah, it's always a tough question to answer in terms of timeline, because you never really know, you just kind of have to keep keep eyes on it and make sure that what you are doing is improving.
0: Have you ever had the the case where like you you have a a property management company come to you and you look at the landscape, you look at what they're doing, and you say, We just can't help you. Does that ever does that happen?
1: All the time. Yeah. And
0: why does that happen?
1: (laughs) Um, it could be a number of things. One, they might just be doing, they might be doing everything that we're doing, and they're doing a really great job. Um It might just be that they don't have the resources to put into it right now so we have companies all of the time we have we have so much content about um starting a property management company so we get a lot of inquiries hey i'm brand new i haven't um i haven't really thought about how i want to start my company but i saw your blog and i wondered if you can help me it's like once you're ready to grow the company and you have operations in place, we are more than happy to help you with your marketing. But we never want to set people up for failure. So say you're a one man show, and you have no resources to manage the properties, we don't want to market for you, because that's just going to be, I mean, a nightmare, essentially. So we usually just refer those people out to some of our relationships that can help them get the operation side up and running, figure out the processes for actually managing the properties. And then once they have that, we will help you. No questions asked.
0: And I think the flip side of the coin there, the, 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 the the flip side of that question is are there certain qualities that make for like an ideal client or an ideal company for, for growth?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you have to have, you have to have your processes. So that's obviously I just said that, um, Basically, don't
0: have a leaky bucket, right? Don't bring in a bunch of people that you can't support. Then then you're
1: just going to go out of business because you can't, you lose all of your credibility. Um, But good processes, good people. I always recommend if you want to grow and you want to sign more owners up for services, have somebody that is dedicated to talk to them have, have a business development manager make it their job to pick up the phone and talk to people, but not only do that, their job should be to go out and seek people out Mm -hmm. in, in addition to whatever online marketing you're doing. But
2: I think also like a solid understanding of
1: intent. Yeah.
2: Meaning a plan, like Mm -hmm. what, what are you actually trying to do? And then, um, Mm -hmm. hopefully it's grounded in reality to the, to the marketplace that you're operating in. And, um, we have an opinion on most marketplaces at this point so we'll we'll certainly tell you if we if we think it's not um but uh, i think a, a solid plan and an intent a vision for for what you think it can be and then and then i think beyond that the other things that Brittany mentioned you know um documented processes understanding that and then accountability inside yeah, your organization that's really important that you, mm-hmm. that, both you have an accountability for things in terms of how you're managing your company, but also that through your organization, everybody understands kind of what they're accountable for, what their role is, and how that's put together. And, and like Brittany was talking about, we do a lot of work now, um, even upfront with a lot of companies. We'll start with, do you have a marketing plan? Do you have a plan, right? And if you don't, let's let's just start there. Let's, let's not go yeah. spend a whole bunch of money. You don't, you don't need to right now. Let's make sure we've written down understanding what your intent is, exactly what it looks like from a growth perspective. And then let's put that against some numbers that make sense. And then we'll build a plan for you to really grow in a way that that we both feel is effective for you.
0: I think what you're doing is amazing because this industry is so hard <laughs> and it's really hard to build the, the right, not only the operation side, but the right processes on the growth side to to bring in customers effectively. You have the the online marketing you have to do, you have the in-person stuff you have to do, you need to make sure everyone's on the same page. But I think also just the the industry in general and the customer base that property managers are going for is hard in itself to tackle. And I, I haven't really developed any like strong opinion or conclusions as to why that is. And I, I want to ask the question: Do you get a sense of why it's so hard to well, market and acquire yeah. customers in this industry?
2: One thing is the one thing that occurs to me right away is it's it's my primary asset, right? In the case of when I'm when I'm renting out my home, if if you have a, a single owner just trying to rent out their 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 single family home, this is I'm reaching out to somebody i don't know that's going to manage my property and so what's involved in that relationship what's involved in that exchange and getting um i think for us um, especially with new property managers getting them to understand the complexity involved in that relationship and reaching out and connecting with people why trust is so important why it's so important to be explicit about your pricing because of the trust factor Um, and then the educational aspect feeling that um, oh, these people aren't just aggressively after taking over my property. They actually they care about me. They, they care about me. They understand the industry. They, they've they actually been down this road. They know how to deal with evictions. They, they have a deep knowledge about every aspect of my home and building up that relationship, understanding that that um, it's, some, it's like a seed, right? It's something that you want to grow with somebody in terms of how you make a relationship. Um, I think that's the part that that's really tricky. It's not, you know, it's not somebody walking into a store and saying, I want that widget.
1: Right. Well, it's the difference between, I mean, there are two ways you can, I mean, there are a million ways you can answer the phone, but say you get a call from a a property owner, you can pick up the phone and say, okay, what's your property address? Or you can pick up the phone and say, Hey, tell me more about what you're looking for. I work with somebody, um, Sandy Highland shout out to Sandy if she watches this she's <laughs> wonderful um, she works in Sacramento and we were talking to her a while back about how she handles her sales calls and the first thing that she asks whenever anybody calls in is hey what what fears do you have about letting somebody else manage your property what what are some of the concerns what like what scares you tell me everything um, mm-hmm. and then she bases the whole conversation around ways to overcome those fears, and builds a relationship with somebody, whether or not they end up working with their company. Yeah, um, and I thought that was beautiful, really yeah. cool. And she kills it. She she closes business like no other. It's magical. Um, but it is. It's it's important to establish a relationship.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly the 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 point of it. Though it's for most people, this is their largest single asset or a very large portion of uh, their their overall assets. And there's a huge amount of trust and relationship building and having that kind of conversation, it's very disarming and it's very genuine too. And it allows you to speak to that person's exact needs. I wanna bring this back full circle to uh, one of the comments you made recently. You you, you don't take clients unless they have an existing operation or they're actually established willing to delegate out work to other people and have done that. It kind of sounds like you can't really help them until you can't help manage a reputation until there is a reputation in the first place and there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh work to be done before you're even ready to start growing based on your reputation just work on yeah. establishing it and i I've, i think it's incredible that you have so many free educational tools and resources so you can help anybody at whatever stage they're they're at yeah it's just a pr- pretty awesome awesome business so for somebody getting started like right away, you, your your recommendation was one: have the operation, and then two: have somebody else who's helping you with the business development. What what else have you seen to be really successful if you're helping somebody go from zero to 0.25 to to half, and and all the way up to the that full? I'm ready to start working with you.
1: Yeah, I think get getting a coach is is really important too. If you're starting from square one, there are a lot of really good property management coaches out there. Um, like Kathleen Richards is one. Christina Roach is an awesome coach. I love her. Um, we. I think if you don't know what you're doing, just getting advice and asking for help because we love educating, but also the property management industry is full of educators and full of people that are willing to help. Um, so I think the most important thing I would I would say is if you're getting started, Get, get that help, get a coach, get somebody to lay the foundation for you. Because oftentimes, you don't have to do the groundwork that's already laid out. I mean, get involved with NARPAM, number one. If you're a new person, get involved with NARPAM. There are a number of free resources. Um, we were just talking to Daniel Craig a few weeks ago about the NARPAM accounting standards. That's something that you should just adopt and do. It's a no-brainer. So just take advantage of the free resources, I think, would be my next, like, really big thing.
0: What's next for Four and a Half? What cool, awesome things do you have coming around the corner? Well,
1: I,
2: okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I Like we've talked about already, We um, to your point about um, fragmentation and addressing the fragmentation in terms of the services, we think right now in the immediate future, that's that's something we really want to address. Um, And so um, what we're looking at doing is putting together a series of packages. Brittany and I, in fact, are working together on that. And we're working on a number of subscription-based packages that are um, comprehensive in terms of, so property manager says, tell me everything I should do. Tell tell me all the the pieces and and tell me how they should work together. And um, the idea is to have those and to offer them on a subscription basis with a very low barrier or no barrier to entry. So no upfront Hmm. implementation fee, nothing like that. You're just purchasing a subscription service and that's it. Um, So um, that's what we're coming out with. Um, We hope to have those out in November. And then, so that's sort of, that's sort of from our perspective, that's um, addressing kind of the new clients that would come to us. I'm looking for services. Um, I think we understand a lot better kind of how our business should run. Um, And I think our perspective is it's, it really needs to run like a subscription service. Um, and then the second piece of it is um, we wanted to come up with a series of products for um, our existing clients to help mature um, and grow their existing customers. So what kinds of things could they offer to their existing customers
3: mm.
2: to help um, develop um, more opportunities with those existing uh, existing clients? So things like, um, let's just say a, a newsletter addressed to um, owners that are interested in becoming investors. Right. So you have a, an owner who goes through the process of turning over their property. They realize that it works out really well. They're really happy with it. So, gosh, I want to do this again. How do I do that? How do I get involved in, you know, um, and there's a, you probably know there's a number of different tools out there now. People are, are trying to yeah. get into that space. And so how can you as a property manager, how can you work with your existing client base to offer them those types of services? How can you convert from owners to investors? Those kinds of things. So kind of our our mindset right now in the near term is those two spaces. One is kind of uh, repositioning to some extent um, to a subscription-based offering for new clients. And then what can we do um, to enhance our existing clients and help them um, have a suite of services?
0: That's awesome. So I think there's a ton of people that are going to want to be the first to know about when these subscription service services are online ready mm-hmm. to be
1: Oh, yeah!
0: sold. And uh, I love the um, second thing you're working on of how do you actually get more and provide more to your existing customers? Um, so for people that want to be the first to know about this, when it's ready, how do people get in touch with you? How do they follow you? Where should our listeners go?
1: Well, first, um, anybody can always reach out to me or Michael um, via email. My email is Brittany at fourandhalf.com, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y at four and half, F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. No, I'm just kidding. Um, or visit our website. <laughs> our website always has the most up-to-date information. It's four and half.com. Not to be confused with four and a half.com. Um, just four and half. Although yeah, I think if, you, I'm, I'm pretty sure redirect.
0: if you go to, yeah, I think there's a redirect. So yeah. you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm
1: uh, Michael at four and a half. Yeah.
0: Yep.
3: Perfect. Yeah. So, the the, the website's great. You just go on four and a half.com. There's free, free advice that you can get in free downloads and then uh, You'll see our and getting a marketing plan if, if you want to get started. I'm
1: glad you guys liked it. So
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. We really encourage great. everyone. Download the eBooks.
3: I want to say too, I really enjoyed the lateral website as well.
2: I think it's very, very clear. And I think what you're offering, um, um, we've talked, I've looked at a number of different players in the space and I think you have a really solid model and, um, I really like the the process flow. there.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, So after you're done downloading the eBooks and listening to the four and a half podcast, then head over to lateral.com, download the lateral eBooks, listen to the (laughs) lateral podcast again. (laughs) And it's a virtuous cycle. Um, well, Michael, Brittany, thank you both so much for coming on. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to do a follow-up once you've launched these products to find out how, how that's going. I think property managers are going to be super excited about a subscription service to get all their uh, marketing needs fulfilled. I think it's one of the hardest things to do as a property manager. Um, so love what you're doing. Thank you for coming on and uh, good Thanks luck. So I, I'm excited nice job, to see how these uh, turn out.
2: You did a great job nurturing your voice. To
1: get through, oh, I know, <laughs> very good job.
0: Uh, yeah, I apologize for the consistent muting for anyone that isn't watching this. I've been muting the whole time because I'm like <laughs> coughing throughout this thing from having a cold. But, uh, Will, and thank you for you know coming on, co hosting, helping support while I you muted yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you both so much, and Absolutely. we'll definitely have to do—we'll uh, have to do coffee at some point because I'm so close. So. Yes, we'd love it. That'd be
1: awesome.
0: All right, you both have a good one.
1: Right, you too. Same See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date. Hit that subscribe button. Give us some love. Maybe give us a five-star review too if you like what you're hearing. And I have an ask for you. I'd like you to go to Latchel.com and click the book a demo button to schedule time to talk with us. We want to hear about your business, how you've been, how you're growing, how maintenance is going at your company. Maybe we can work together, maybe not, but you won't know unless you talk to us. So go to Latchel.com, click the book a demo button. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I know the rest of our team here is. So go do that as soon as you can. Thanks, everyone. See you back next week.